Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. So it is wonderful to be here today. The sun is shining behind me. It's a great day here in Atlanta. Um, and I'm really, really delighted um, to have our guests join us today. Our guest is an entrepreneur, strategic planner, going to list them all here, angel investor, founder and CEO at Acuity, a board member of Entrepreneurs Organization, market director for Venture South, host of Drink While You Think, which is a podcast like this, <laughs> you're laughing so much, aimed at founders of accounting firms. Kenji Kuamoto, welcome Kenji to, to the show. Thanks, Sarah. Really great to be here. Thanks for that very nice introduction too. <laughs> You're really welcome. There's a, there was a lot on my list here to cover. So um, oh, wonderful. Yeah. No, it's really, really great to have you. I've been looking forward to this call. So, so um, am I. Yeah, so am I. Good. So let's go straight into it. So I really want to learn about you as an entrepreneur, Kenji, and your journey. Um, and the first question I would love to ask you is, what did you get right? When you took your first flight into becoming an entrepreneur, please tell me, what did you get right? What did I get right? Well, there were a few things. There were probably, it's a much longer list if you ask what I got wrong. So thank you for not asking about that, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say there's three things that come to mind for me that I got right. Um, and this is years ago, this is 18 years ago when I started Acuity and kind of started my entrepreneurial journey. And I'd worked in traditional larger businesses. We'll maybe talk about that a little later. But then one of the first things I did was I kind of tested the market a bit. Uh, before I made that leap, um, I was able to, I wouldn't call it moonlighting, but I was able to kind of try out and say, okay, let me see if this concept that I've got actually works. And so in my free time, I didn't have a lot of it. I was um, very busy in my job and I had, but I, and I had young kids and a growing family. So I didn't have a lot of time, but I really felt like I had an idea. And so mm -hmm. Being able to go test it a little bit just to see if there were, you know, some people call it customer discovery or market fit, um, helped me get some initial confidence because I was nervous. I'd never been an entrepreneur before. And so that, that first one to me was thinking, okay, is, is there really something here? And so I was able to do that for a few months before I was like, okay, let's just go ahead and do this. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the second thing I think about what I got right was, I created a bit of a backstop or milestone. So this was, okay, now I've decided to do it. But I said to my wife, I said to myself, probably more than anyone, okay, I'm going to give myself six months. Six months, I'm going to put myself on a clock here to, you know, get to, I needed, I wanted to get a compensation level kind of back in parity of where I just come from. That yeah. was, everyone's going to have maybe a different milestone or something that matters to them. Um, I was coming out of a fairly lucrative role. And again, had a young family and obligations. Yeah. I thought I need to make sure 
I have a very clear distinction of I need to meet a goal and milestone. And if that doesn't work, doesn't happen, what am I going to do next? And so in my case, it was I told my wife, I told myself, I said, this doesn't work. I'll go back and get a recruiter. You know, it's, it's six months from now. Right. And I'll have some interesting stories at least to tell when I go out and look for my next job. And so that I think gave me and my family some confidence that this wasn't going to be just some harebrained idea that we were going to let go on and on forever that could damage us as a family that could, you know, hurt my own marketability as um, a professional. And so there's something about that for me that helped me that just gave me some confidence of like, all right, let's just hit that milestone, gave me something to kind of focus on. Um, And then the third thing I would say is I know myself, I've gotten to know myself way better over these 18 years of being an entrepreneur, but I even knew then when I started that I felt like I would do this better with somebody else. Right. And so um, I, right out of the gates, I had a business partner. And for me, that was important. Having someone to talk things out with, someone to who was very aligned with me of like, we're taking a big risk. And so I don't know, um, I don't know if I would have at that stage in my life had the courage to take that first flight right. if I didn't have some of those things there, if I didn't have um, some understanding of the market, at least a backstop of where if this isn't working, I got to pull the plug at something clear. And then also someone I could be doing it with. If it was just me by myself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I would have gone forward there. So those, that helped me, you know, get that. That was, that's what was right for me. Those may not be right for everybody, but those right. definitely helped me take that first flight. You know, I love that, the fact that you put a timeline on it. Um, and did you say it was not just a timeline, but I had to earn, was it, was there a kind of a monetary? So in six months, I got to be at this point. Correct. Yeah, yeah, there was correct. It just felt right. very, and again, we'll talk, I'm, I come from a financial and accounting background. So the number side comes, analytics come very easy to me. So mm-hmm. my first yeah. thought was, well, let's not do something if it's going to really hurt my ability to produce income yeah. for my family. And yeah. I thought, okay, let's. Let's use that. It may not yeah. have been the perfect one. I don't know that six months is the perfect timeline either, but it was something. I had to start yeah. somewhere with something that I could explain to others around me, especially my family, and say, hey, let's do, let's use this as a benchmark. Does that seem reasonable? Mm-hmm. And once we kind of coalesced around that, I think that, great, that gave me something, yeah. that gave me a little bit of momentum, some things to work toward, and I could track yeah. progress toward it. Yeah. But I also think it's a very good point because I think there's a, I'm, I'm hoping our listeners might even kind of stem to spouses too, because- you know, it's nerve. It's it's like it's nerve wracking for a couple to make that decision because it is a. It tends to be a partnership decision. It's a couple very decision. Very much so. Yeah. yeah so much. you're right. You're giving them. It's like saying this is not going to go on forever. Um, this is the timeline, and I think you know. I know from being a wife myself, I would have. You know, it's good to know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you right. know, if it's not working, we can go back to the way things were. Yeah. Absolutely. Really good. Absolutely. Great, great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So who are or who were your co-pilots on this journey? You made a reference a little bit to a business partner, did, obviously yeah. a great wife, but like talk to me about what that looks like. Yeah, I, you, you nailed them there, Sarah. I The very first one and foremost was my family, my wife in particular. And it probably did help having that milestone I mentioned of, hey, six months, give me this shot. And, and she did. And she's wonderful. She was, uh, for those who were watching on video, out to here pregnant, very, right. very pregnant with our second child. Um, and so we were doing this, you know, at an interesting time Mm -hmm. and she was very, was, was so much a partner. She knew this was something we'd obviously, we'd been talking for quite a while. She knew I was unhappy. I was searching for something different, 
So she was very helpful and in and, and that. She was an incredible co-pilot. Um, she came from an entrepreneurial family too, which was really helpful. I did yeah. not. And yeah. so actually her and her family were re- not that mine weren't, mm. were really helpful. Like, all right, there was almost cheering on, like, right. great, go for it, go do it. And that yeah. gave me confidence. Um, That's great. I mentioned my my first business partner, uh, Stuart Brooks, and Stuart and I had worked together previously. And so we had a, a business relationship before we worked together fantastically well. Mm-hmm. And so he and I were the ones, he's a, he's a neighbor of mine. He's, I, he's not a business partner today. I actually bought him out about mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago, um, but it was very amicable. And he good. still is a good friend and neighbor to this day, mm-hmm. but he was that person that we bounced the ideas off of together. Um, yeah. And then the, the one I'd say really um, in the business is my co-founder, Matthew May. And, and Matthew came in, I ran Acuity by myself for about a year, near to two years after I bought out my first partner. Mm-hmm. And I found out, and I should have known this, I was not very well suited to running something by myself. I'm better in partnership. I'm better yeah. in community. And um, I brought Matthew in as a business partner partway through that. He's been around now almost, I think, nine years and right. uh, we've had phenomenal success. And so I, I really had to... I've had to, you know, my, my performance and almost everything I do, I can look at it, not just in business. I can look at it athletically or any part of my life. If I do it with a, a partner, if I do it with a small group, that's kind of one yeah. of the reasons why I love EO so much. I do things in community. Yeah. My performance is so much better. Yeah. And so, oh, I, none of this solo pilot thing for me, I'm sure that I'm going to be fascinated to hear other people on this. Yeah podcast who are very individual kind of solo kind of pilots. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a co-pilot. Give me a crew all day long. Yeah. That is, that's what that. really, yeah. yeah I mean, it, make, it makes yeah. me personally happy yeah. sure. and I can actually see my performance is much better when I'm with others. Right. So, so, so wonderful co-pilots. Yeah. Yeah. You've learned a lot about yourself and it's, it's good. You've had the chance to not be, not have a co-pilot in terms of a business partner and you're right. Realizing what, what you need. So it's really good to hear that. So it's, and you need good people around you. Sounds like you have that. Great so, people uh, around me. And again, I, I really admire people too, though, who don't need that. My, my, my wife has been a great entrepreneur yeah. and she's always been, you know, in many regards, she's operated better just right. by herself. She's yeah. really hard and driven and she just goes and goes and goes, I'm not built right. that way. I'm no. built a little differently. So that was a good yeah. learning process for me with those great co-pilots. hundred percent. So tell me, what is a challenge that you and your team had to solve recently? I want to dig into this one. Yeah, this one was interesting, Sarah. Um, yeah. So just a little bit of a backstory about our company to help give some context to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're essentially all accountants, all financial accounting people, all professional, kind of a very white collar kind of mm-hmm. industry. Almost all of our team members have come out of other larger accounting firms. So we're not, right. we don't really have many people who've come right out of college. Right. Most of our team at Acuity are, very, are relatively seasoned. And one of the value propositions to coming to work at Acuity is we let people well before COVID work wherever they want to work, even work however many hours they want to work. So they have a, a massive amount of flexibility, yeah. which in our industry has been non-existent. It's just not existent at all, flexibility. And so we've tended to win every time we do assessments with the team, the number one thing they value most about acuity is flexibility. I love that I can integrate. So we we have a strong leaning toward that. So with that as a backstop, um, one thing we stopped doing many years ago, um, 
<laughs> we stopped kind of doing performance reviews. Right. And I justified that as, oh, we've got a whole bunch of people who've been working. I mean, these are sharp accountants who like to do the right thing anyway. They, they've learned how to manage themselves. They're very independent. And so I kind of justified that as a reason to stop doing them. And we started doing this year um, monthly employee surveys with a variety of different questions asked every single month. And there's right. one consistent question just about almost kind of think about it like NPS scoring or a happiness yeah. level, right? But the rest of them are fairly targeted towards specific kind of issues. And one came out around performance management and feedback and reviews, and we just got crushed on it. Like it was, everything else was great. And it was just right. like, and I'm reading these reviews and <laughs> I, I'm like, people were really upset. Like, I don't get right. enough feedback around here. I don't know what my path looks like. Right. I don't, you know, and, and I, I had been thinking, wait a minute, I thought they wanted all this freedom and flexibility just to like, they don't want to be micromanaged. No. And so I think I confuse, I have confused micromanagement, which I hate. I'm the worst yeah. micromanager. I can't do it. I won't do it. No. I confuse that with feedback of giving good feedback. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, we had team members really strongly like, mm. I want to hear how I am doing mm -hmm. and not acceptable that I'm not getting feedback from a manager, from someone here helping me think about things. And I, yeah. looking back in hindsight, I feel a little silly about that, Sarah. I'm like, well, that seems reasonable, right? But it, until I saw it in terms yeah, of metrics yeah. and survey results, yeah. it, it really slapped me in the face. So that was yeah. an issue. We kind of looked at each other and we've got a grown, we're about 150 people. Um, You're 150 so people? <laughs> Right. And not doing performance reviews. And not, that's a know. lot of people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, yeah. um, I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so they don't, yeah, that, they don't, they didn't have a pathway, did they? And, and, they and a pathway, yeah, Sarah, yeah. they didn't have, we only brought on an HR person, a team member, um, about nine months ago. So we were way behind in our, again, we've been this, like, oh, our team members are so. Yeah, no, they, I get they, it. Yeah. They, they yeah. came from Deloitte and, you know. They had all that structure. Yeah. They know all this. They yeah. don't need this. They're yeah. very independent. They're, they've worked in the industry 20 years. And so I kind of just were really late to the game on yeah. things, basic HR functions. Yeah. And so that was one specific that came out and we're like, we got to figure that we got to do something about it. Yeah. So what did you do? Obviously put them in place, but how did you do that? We did. We did. Um, thankfully, we had just hired way too late. Um, not way too late, but we should have done it much earlier. We'd hired an HR manager. And she yeah. had started, as soon as she stepped in the organization earlier this year, she had kind of started seeing, this seems problematic. But then when we got the survey results afterwards, she was like, hey, we got to do something about this. Yeah. And we spent... Um, we, she and I spent a lot of time together going, okay, how do we pull something together here? Like, how do, how do we go about putting this in place at scale for so many people? Yeah. And so she spent, um, you know, about a month or more kind of architecting basically a performance review process, which we looked at it, thought it looked good. We made a few tweaks to it from the leadership perspective. Um, and, and we thought, okay, let's, let's put this in place, but we need to now communicate it out. Like what are expectations around it? What does it mean to people? There was a, actually a ton of communication. I was surprised about initially. I thought, great, let's just get a, some kind of form we pulled together, let people, you know, managers do this and like, let's just go. But then it was like, well, wait a minute. How do we communicate out to the team what this means? 
is this going to be tied to compensation? Like, yeah. do we need to, at the same time, is this, yeah. whoa, have we, have we budgeted yeah. through that? So all these other issues so came up. Things. Yeah. Unfortunately, we spent, I was just sharing with you before we hit the record button that I just came back from our, our fourth quarter leadership retreat. Mm-hmm. The one that we did back at the end of the second quarter this year, we put it all around this. It's all we did was kind of focused yeah. on the performance review process. We set a timeline that we wanted to get this done in Q3 of this year. Yeah. So we really got a lot of things together. We put the whole leadership team together for two days. We did nothing but almost focus just on how are we going to execute this? What does it mean from the org chart? What does it mean from people's roles and responsibilities? What does it mean from compensation? Mm-hmm. And it really kind of pushed into a whole bunch of other areas. So it was it was intense and we didn't yeah. launch it. We put a timeline that where we launched it, um, it ran for about a eight, nine weeks, eight or nine weeks. Um, everything from the, you know, you do, employees had to do a self-review the managers did a review you know then they those were compared against one another then the managers had to do a schedule a one-on-one meeting with the teammate to go through that that took about eight weeks for us to to execute um and it we also realized too there were some teams like like one one of our managers has 35 people underneath one person he got kind of crushed. I mean, he yeah. was just like, he, he had nothing else he could do. And so we learned from that. We've had to reconsider some things on the work chart mm-hmm. there uh, about how we give some more support. And we also had to do it. We got, we were lucky. That's a little bit of a slow period in the accounting cycles, kind of the Q3. It's not too busy. And yeah. so it was a fairly good timing for us as a business, but we really had to hustle to get it, to get yeah. it done. Um, and we did. We we got it done. Yeah. We we I, I was really pleased with the process. I think we did a very good job with it. There's a, some things we learned that we have to change and adjust for next year mm-hmm. for going into this again. But it was everybody from a leadership perspective's focus for yeah probably close to six months. It felt like all the planning and prep to then yeah. executing it. And then as I just mentioned, we came back from our offsite. It was really nice to come back and look at all the results and really yeah. dig into this. And it's such a valuable wealth of information from your team. If, right. if someone like me would have just thought more and thought, yeah, I need, I need to be paying attention and listening better to what they're saying, because there's one wonderful nuggets of wisdom and value that we can bring back to the business. If we just take the time to ask the questions. Yeah. That's, that's such great, such a great learning. I'm glad you listened to your team and you implemented it. Um, yeah, I just, um, I mean, I'm amazed. You did, obviously did a very good job keeping 150 people without. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, but you're yeah, right. No, people no, need I to. That's the interesting thing about that, Sarah, is I think that I don't know if other if you've experienced this or other people experience this as entrepreneurs. We're 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 known in our space. We're pretty good about like, wow, you guys have a great culture. Yeah. And people love to work there, and yeah. and I'm a very right. relational person, and mm-hmm. so actually. We brought in an outside HR advisory firm to help us with this. Actually, one who's an EO member, who they were right. helpful. And their, right. their point to me, they said, yes, you should have hired an HR manager long ago. Yeah. However, um, this is an air relationally and culturally yeah. is an area of strength for you. So yeah, you've been no, able you, to stretch you it. You've been able it. to yeah. yeah, you've been able to stretch it further. Yeah. yeah. And so it got me thinking of going. I wonder if there's those other arees where I'm, we're we're relatively good yeah, at that we, may be yeah. under, that we maybe under invest in because mm-hmm. oh we can get away with it you know Kenji's yeah. good relationally other team members are so I I thought that was an interesting takeaway of we 
we missed the mark there because it's actually an area we are pretty strong in, but yeah. we went way beyond what we should have um, yeah. from the, in terms of support. I don't know if other people experience that, but. No, oh, that's such great insight. And you're right. It's now opened up your eyes to where, because at the end of the day, you guys are good at accounting. Right. And obviously, you know, you're very good at leading your business too, but um, that's when, and I suppose you get to the size you're at, you've got to start bringing in the experts more. So um, you do. And I yeah. think there's, you know, I, for example, for us, marketing, yeah. we're accountants, horrible yeah. with marketing. Yeah. We brought in marketing years ago, outside yeah. help on that because we knew we were weak in it. This was an area that a little bit egotistically, I'm like, oh, I'm good at culture. I'm yeah, good at religion. Know, I get and, it. I, and, I get I, it. and I was slow yeah. to actually bring in experts when I should have yeah. done that earlier. Yeah. Well, you know what? Great learnings yeah. for you. And I'm sure you're your team and your company are all like loving the fact that they have that career path. So good on, good on you. Good on you. It is, it is fun when you're doing the monthly surveys like we are now and mm -hmm. they, they, some of the questions come back around, we can actually see and measure that improvement. And yeah. so it's fun to see now they're the scoring before we put this in place to afterwards. It's fun to yeah. watch like, okay, we're making improvement. We're getting rated higher. So yeah, yeah. It, it is fun to see that. And again, I think my big, my big learning, my biggest key takeaway from that whole process was that, good really good people they want to know where they stand yeah they do right they they want to know yeah. how i'm doing I and mean, they're yeah. not afraid of hot, tough feedback no. they want no. to know how they're doing and and that's something i was like oh, i should have i should have remembered that earlier yeah no that's good that's great we learn along the way and i'm hoping you're helping our listeners you know maybe avoid some of that so that's really i fantastic. hope so yeah fantastic insight so tell me what excites you about the future what is, what is the destination for you? Where are you heading? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Big question. I'll, yeah, I'll break, I'll break that in a couple of things. I think where I'm excited about, and I'll speak in terms of my industry, but hopefully all many people are experiencing this and whatever type of entrepreneur you are, is in our industry in accounting and finance, we are seeing a lot more technology and automation come. Mm -hmm. Some people look at that in a scary way of, I'm worried about, will I have a job anymore? Will yeah, yeah. the robots come in and take yeah. over and things? I'm on the complete other direction on that. I, I am, um, I'm a very, very strong believer that my profession, the accounting and financial profession is really for a profession of knowledge workers. Yeah. And along the way, sometimes we've forgotten that. I think maybe over many years ago when accountants were having to enter information in and write manual checks and just do things that were relatively manual. Yeah. I think we, we it's easy to lose our way of, we're just there to do data entry. And I don't, I don't believe that. I think no. our profession is there to be knowledge workers, to help analyze data, to help yeah. really improve and highlight performance yeah. of a business. So I see the advancements in technology and innovation in our space and in many other spaces too, beyond accounting. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very, very bullish about that. And I think that brings, it's disruptive. It, there are some jobs that will be automated away. Yeah. And I do have empathy for people who are maybe in positions where their jobs might be affected by that. But I think there's such opportunity in that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I don't have to sit with ledger paper anymore and write out things like journal entries and do yes. math on a, you know, a calculator yeah. over here. I mean, that's can all be, I can focus more on what can I bring from the terms of knowledge yeah. and value to clients. And so I'm very bullish about that overall. We as a business will continue heading that way. We've been, I'm, um, where, where am I heading? I think a little bit at the intersection of that, I would say is that you mentioned 
things I've been doing, certainly in essence, we're an accounting firm. Um, we're a little bit of a unique one in the way that we operate and we're structured, but um, I will continue to be there. I'm very proud of being in that. I think it's an incredibly noble profession that's very, yeah. very needed. Um, yeah. But it's all continue to operate acuity and run it kind of in unique ways. I'm very passionate about doing things a little differently and how impactful that can be. But also, you mentioned I, I focused more on angel investing these days. I, I we bring a lot of in, uh, technology inside of acuity, but it's been fun to help support some early founders as they've been building technology that impacts the lives in our space. And so, yes, I've been an angel investor just very recently. Um, I was starting to do that more at scale through, you mentioned the group Venture South, where we're trying to build a community of people who want to come and do angel investment there. Certainly we're looking for ways to get good returns for us as investors, but at kind of at the heart of that too is let's support tech entrepreneurs who are going to need some outside capital to get their ideas started. Let's right. support other entrepreneurs in that. And those are entrepreneurs that just don't have access. They're not going to get a loan from a bank. It's a technology. Yeah. They're, they're going to need some outside capital. And so um, I'm, I'm probably heading more in that space of where um, we can, I can help support and drive more innovation in our space by whether it's investing in companies, continue to do things differently to acuity. And mm -hmm. I'll share with you, Sarah, that on the personal side, like I'm, coming across a big birthday coming up here this year, next year, and <laughs> a little bit like, kind I just of, had mine. So did you? Oh my yes. gosh. Yeah. And I've been kind of dreading it this past year. And suddenly I was with my EO forums last week and just some things that happened. I'm like, you know what? It I've turned more into more excitement. It's turned into more excitement about, I'm just getting eager about where I think the next few years yeah. are going to go. Uh, for, yeah. Just for me personally, uh, for my family, mm -hmm. just because some things are starting to kind of move into a way of where, I think I can um, do more impactful investment and relationship building. So I'm, I'm if you caught me about a month or two ago, <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, I'm getting old, Sarah, I'm getting yeah. old. I'm more, and yeah, now, now you're feeling know. better. I am feeling better. So yeah. hopefully that'll, that'll stay. No, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Those big birthdays <laughs> are tricky. Tell me, you know, I feel the same. It is but... a little bit, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. I just, I've just celebrated basically the entire year, every month, I'm like, I'm doing something special Ooh. to celebrate my big birthday. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to do the same. Yeah. You got it. You got to do things which make <laughs> your heart warm. So um, yeah. And then enjoy it with people, you know, you want to enjoy it with. So, right. well, right. thank you for sharing all that. That is just, I love, I love everything you've shared some really great advice for everybody. Uh, and I would love to learn a little bit more about you. Who yeah. are you? So let's take pre-flight pre-entrepreneur. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. Um, grew up here in the States in the Midwest. And I was, um, I was the first person in a few generations on my, my father's side to not go in to be a doctor or in the healthcare work, right? I, we had this long, right. my grandfather, my dad, his siblings um, worked in healthcare. And I, I remember as a kid growing up, um, I being very proud of my dad, I still am. I still look up to him as much because he was in acts of service and helping people. And he did a lot of work with trauma and car accidents and very dangerous right. situations. And I hear stories even from people in my community I grew up in about mm -hmm. your dad really helped me or saved someone I cared about, whatever it might yeah. be. And yeah. very impactful. But I love that side of it. Mm -hmm. What I didn't like was 
he was so incredibly busy and it doesn't mean other people in other professions aren't, but because he was almost an emergency responder for things, right. it was just, yeah. and I, I don't know. I looked at that and I was like, Oh, that seems a little <laughs> bit, but yeah. it also, so I wasn't yes. really that drawn to healthcare. Also, I can't handle all the blood and the gore. Like some people can do that. Me, no, I know. I, you I, know I, if you like blood and you know, if you don't, you know, exactly. I'm on yeah. that don't side. Yeah. So, um, his, his, so anyway, I, as I was a young person growing up and thinking about college and what do I want to do with my life? Um, I, I just, I'm looking for examples. I think like many of us do. And my dad's best friend who we did family trips with and his family lived their neighbors of ours. He was an entrepreneur. And so he, he ran a bank and he had other things going on and he was just a really gregarious person. I always resonated with him um, and kind of looked up to him. And he, as I got to know more about him as I, I do odd jobs occasionally for him and his business. And I just thought, oh, wow, he's this entrepreneur. It seems so cool and interesting. He, um, I found out he was an accounting, he, did, he was an accountant before he was an entrepreneur right. and he was an accounting major in college. So I being very immature and young, I just thought, oh, that's how you become an entrepreneur. Right. So I was fascinated with entrepreneurship. I thought he said to me once, and he was right. He was, oh, accounting is the language of business. Um, I've since revised that thinking. And I think accounting is a language of business. It's, it's a right. very important one, but there's yeah. many other important languages yeah. too. So when I went to college, I said, sure, I'm going to just go do accounting. That's why I thought the way to do it was. So I went to university um, and I jumped into the accounting program. In fact, it was the top accounting program kind of in the country. I think mm -hmm. it still is outstanding, very rigorous. Mm -hmm. I competed, I worked, I did all the things. Um, I ended up getting, there's this period of time, I would say from Sarah, from college. Like I, early life, I was fascinated by entrepreneurship. I knew I wanted to go into it somehow. Then I thought the road to get there was accounting. And I got into accounting, the, the best school for it. I had lots of great job offers. I went to go work for Arthur Anderson back in the day, just a yeah. brilliant global yeah. firm. Um, but I went to work for them. I got on their best jobs they had. I was doing yeah. all the things. I was at the top of my profession. Yeah. Um, same thing when I left Arthur Anderson after about five years, four or five years, I went to work for a tech company. I became their controller, then their mm -hmm. CFO. That storyline, I guess, in the middle of those milestones, in the middle there of where I was a young professional, young person, I was getting every bit of like, I, I got all the awards, I got all the, everything. I was kind of getting the, grabbing the brass ring on everything, but I was feeling rather hollow and empty behind it. I was, yeah. it, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. But I didn't know better because I was a young person. I thought, well, this must be how work feels. Yeah. Just kind of my yeah, jobs and, in high school, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, a lifeguard and things like that. Now yeah. I've got a real job and I just wasn't very satisfied. I didn't really enjoy the work much and it didn't mm -hmm. feel like it fit my personality. And I just thought, well, too bad, Kenji. Yeah. You know, some yeah. things just don't fit your personality. You got to go out and just make a living. And so, um, and that, then something happened when I was uh, at this tech company. So I'm in my mid twenties now. Um, and actually I just switched jobs from Arthur Anderson, to this tech company, and I had to go and just do a routine physical, changing healthcare plans mm -hmm. and through a routine physical, literally I got a cancer diagnosis, oh. like in my mid late twenties. And for me, it was honestly probably the first time I could remember of where things didn't work out for Kenji the exact way he wanted it to. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was 
I was very down about it, obviously, yeah. but it did the outcome of it was it caused me to go, okay, wait a minute, life is short. It's good to have a perspective change. And that started me on my entrepreneurial journey. I thought, right. okay, if I can get this behind me and stay healthy, yeah, then I need to really think about what it is I want to do. Yeah. And, and that became where it took a little bit of time once we got that behind us. We were sure the health situation was all dealt with and yeah. we were worried about the impact it could have. We hadn't had a family yet. My wife and I hadn't yeah. that impact that. Once that kind of became clear, we were like that's that was really the thing that said, okay, I need to take a step out in entrepreneurship and try some things that I've always been really passionate about, even yeah. though I kind of jumped onto a path that I wasn't very happy or fulfilled with, but everyone's telling me, oh, you're one of the youngest CFOs I've ever met. You're, you worked Arthur Anderson, you do all these things. Um, it became more about, I need to think about what things I'm passionate about, yeah. what I enjoy mm-hmm. doing. And so that was a really helpful in, in EO, you know, EO, you know, and those who are listening will know that you go and do things like lifelines, they call it. And so yeah. these lifelines, when you kind of draw out these milestones visually yeah. and you talk about them, Mine, you can always see that crashing, crashing yeah. low lifeline thing is my cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And then immediately after it comes up, yeah. it bounces back up so high. And there's these wonderful things that happen, but I needed something to kind of shift my perspective. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been all wonderful and rainbows ever since, but it's been very positive. And I think yeah. that's one that, that, that thing in my mid twenties really helped change the yeah. trajectory of what I wanted. It wasn't as much about, could Kenji go compete and get all the best jobs, which I'd yeah. been doing. I was so unfulfilled. I was so yeah. unsatisfied. I just was not, my heart wasn't in it. And that was a big change to where, okay, what do, what do we want to do to have a fulfilling, more fulfilling life yeah. that's I'm passionate about? And so I'm grateful for, I look back with a lot of gratitude toward that. In the moment I was not, I was scared no. to death. I was angry. I was mad, but boy, yeah. since then it's been I'm very, very grateful for that moment. Yeah. So. It really sharpened your focus. I think it, it does like it. Yeah. And at the age of I think you you feel like you're infallible, if that's the right word, when you're in your twenties, don't you? Especially when you've been on a rocket ship. Yeah. Did you experience that same thing too, sir? Were you like, I, I just felt like I couldn't, yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean, no. I haven't had to experience what you've had to experience, but I think you believe you can ride every wave. And um Absolutely. You, like you're saying, you're doing everything that you know you told yourself you would do, and and then you have something like that happen. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yep. So Absolutely. it 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 does. We say it all the time, but it's so true. It makes you a better person, um, you know, and it and it changes. Look at look at look at where you are now, and would that have happened, and all those things. So I'm I'm really glad you're in the position you're in right now, and which is great to hear. So um, I'm all about that. that sharpening that that focus happens at at the worst of times, but makes us better people. So um, it does. It does. I hope that I don't know that I've been perfect about it but I'm like okay I don't need that I don't do I need to go through life-threatening no. mortality mortality issues to sharpen things no I shouldn't I no. should just be able to do that more as I mature and I think I've gotten somewhat better but it is interesting at times when you feel like you need to get knocked off your horse a little bit yeah just to change that that focus for sure thank you for sharing that I really would love to hear more I mean you you shared about acuity I had no idea yeah. the size of your company um which was uh, it's so impressive because I'm on thank a you similar route you know I'm not there yet to your level but would like to be but I would love to know um you know what problem do you believe you solve like what does acuity do you say it's quite unique and I want to understand that uniqueness yeah so the problem and I I do love this problem because Mm -hmm. um the number one thing that entrepreneurs dislike most about being an entrepreneur is typically dealing with the back office stuff right the non-fun glamorous things in accounting 
bookkeeping, tax, the things that we do fall squarely in that. That is not why people become a founder or an entrepreneur. They've got something, they've got a mission, a market, a cause, a solution they care greatly about. It is never, I've I've barely yet to meet an entrepreneur who goes, I love my accounting. I love doing it. And so (laughs) that's what, that's what Acuity was built on solving that, on solving that issue of saying, well, great. If we can come in and do that for you in a cost-effective way, mm-hmm. um, you can stay focused on whatever your passion and your mission is. And so mm-hmm. in a nutshell, at the high level, that's what we've always, always done. Even 18 years ago, when we founded this. We specifically sought out high growth entrepreneurs to go and help right. um, because we knew that they, they were like, I'm growing something big. I mean, someone take care of this. And we often found in those wonderful, great stories of prominence and success as a fast-growing entrepreneur, oftentimes there's a little bit of the dirty secret. It was like, oh, the internal stuff was just a mess, was just messy. And so we wanted to always be the accounting team and function that operated at the pace that most high-growth entrepreneurs do. We wanted them to be refreshed by saying, oh my gosh, this is a team that actually works just like we do. You can just use modern tools and technology. You're not always saying, no, 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 you can't yeah. do this or that. Um, and so, yeah, essentially that's what we're trying to solve is that number right. one thing that entrepreneurs dislike most is the back office. We're trying to help solve that. Right. And we're fitting into a point to where typically what's happened, Sarah, is the entrepreneur themselves, their, their spouse, a family member, or the office manager, someone's doing the accounting, but they're doing it kind of because they have to, like they yeah. have to wear the hat. Yeah, There's a big there's a long, there can be a long time frame or a big stretch of a business cycle that, well, no, you know, it's kind of no man's land where we're not big enough to have full-time team members in there yet. We're, we, don't, we cannot go hire a CFO, a chief yeah. financial officer or a controller, or maybe even a bookkeeper sometimes. We're there to fill that gap to where it hasn't scaled enough to where, okay, now we can afford to have full-time accounting team members. So right. that's been a fun one for us to come in and solve it. And, and, and I'd say the uniqueness the the feeling that business owners typically get is you usually kind of a refreshed feeling of, oh, I'm actually talking to accountants who feel entrepreneurial. They actually speak the same right. language I do, um, who who are, again, working at my pace, using interesting tools they're bringing to me that are helping the business. Mm-hmm. The experience many entrepreneurs get is, oh, I talk to my tax person once a year yeah. or my accountants once a year, and they don't know what's going on in my business. Yeah. They're making me do all these things for them. They're not really giving me much advice about my business. So yeah. that's how we look at it from the client perspective. And in the industry's perspective, like I mentioned earlier, things like we let, we've let our team for a decade work wherever they want to work in the world. Yeah. They get to pick how much time they work. So we do a lot of things to be very attractive within the profession where people say, oh, I like working there yeah. where I'm not micromanaged. I can... Yeah. You know, it, I, I can work in a style more comfortable for, company for me and they use really great technology. So I'm not doing a bunch of manual things. So that's kind of how we go about it. And uh, yeah, it's been happening for 18 years. And even though the client base has changed, it's yeah. still the same mission after all these years. So that's great. So your team, so even before COVID, they were allowed to work anywhere. So do you have a central yeah. office? Do people go to a central office? We have an office here. And so for those in Atlanta, right in Buckhead. So we have an office there. It is, as is many things at Acuity, it is, we consider it a company asset to where if it's an asset to a team member, if you'd like to use it and it benefits you, use it. If you feel like it's just doesn't help a, nuis- yeah. a nuisance to you that you have to commute to, then don't use it. 
So it is completely voluntary. It's always been that way again mm-hmm. for the 10 years or so. It's always been that way. Like come down and use it if you want to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we find team members that go, oh, I'd like to have a break from the household and get yeah. out of my house for a little bit. Yeah. And it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice area of town. So people do like to come down and get coffee or meet friends yeah. for lunch and say, Hey, I'll work at the office for a few hours. Yeah. But um, we've kept it that way where people have a lot of choice and flexibility and yeah. that works in our profession. Again, accountants are typically very compliant people. They want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so if we give them choice, they typically said, Hey, you make, you make the best choice for whatever it is you personally and you and your family want. And if that's working 40, 50 hours a week, great. If it's working 20 hours a week, or you want to take some of the summers off to be with the kids when they're out of school, yeah. that's fine. You want to go live at your beach house for the next two months. That's wonderful. Or you want to come in the office every day. You can do that. So mm-hmm. it is a bit of a unique. Yeah. I love that. There's a lot of trust. People, yeah. A lot of trust there. No, I think that's great. I mean, yeah, I can understand why people want to work at Acuity. I love that. <laughs> I need to think about it, some of these is. things. I mean, there, there are certain logistical things we have to work through. And we've always yeah. had to work through on that. But um, we've we've had, I've been really fortunate to have great team members who've helped us kind of yeah. through understanding what it looks like to have a distributed workforce. And it means yeah. for me, I'm doing a bit more of this now. It means for me that I have to be more intentional with going and spending time with them. Um, we've got, yeah. we just flew everybody in, the entire company in about a month ago to do mm-hmm. That's not an inexpensive thing no. to do, but everybody in, but it was wonderful. And yeah. um, I'm heading to the Philippines in a couple of weeks to go be with some team members there. So it requires a bit more flexibility even from mm-hmm. me, but um, yeah, it does seem to attract some great high quality team yeah, members. That's great. That's fabulous. You found a solution there, which works. I love that. Yeah. So um, I love this next question I'm going to ask you. So if you were to do this all again, Kenji, <sighs> Would you do it all over again? That's the ultimate question. And I think we might change our mind month to month, but would you do it all over again? Oh, that is such a, I've been asked this before and I've probably had it said it a million different ways, but you know, I think that, and maybe I'll break it into two parts. So maybe I'll think about it one way. So I'll say if, if the question is asking, if I could go back in time and do it all over again, yeah. when I've done it. The answer is yes. I absolutely would yeah. have, even through all the challenges and trying times. Mm-hmm. In fact, I might have started sooner. I might have been yeah. like, you know what? Let's get going sooner. Like, why? Yeah. Why waste wait? the time? Yeah. Um, and so I, I just think that in cases of of taking, you know, talking about taking flight, right? I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a time of when being more active, moving quicker, would have been. A problem. I think it's more of a benefit in almost all cases I can think of, especially as entrepreneurs, as very active people, almost by design. I think entrepreneurs and founders are active. We are, we're going to go out there and make something happen. And very rarely can I think of times when, well, I'm going to wait and see whether that would be a benefit. And so I think I'd probably start a bit sooner. Now, there's some things you can go back and say, well, I need a little bit more education or maybe. Yeah being a little bit more measured or balanced on some things, but overall I would have started sooner. Now I will take the other side of that because in many cases when I've answered that question about what I do it all over again, the question was maybe more specifically asked, or I took it as, Hey, if my business acuity went away today, today at my age and stage of life, would I be able to do it again? That's a very different, that I, I don't know where right. I stand on that. I, I'd, I'd probably, I don't know. I might, but I, as I look back, I'm like, <laughs> do I have those 18 years in me through all yeah. like the, the times of, I mean, very honestly now, like I remember the years of where 
we were just, you know, we had little babies at home and we were broke yeah. as can be. And you're, you yeah. know, there was no wonderful date nights at restaurants in town. Yeah. It was whatever yeah. we could get from Trader Joe's or, you know, and, and they were formative. Those were wonderful years when I look back yeah. at them, but like, I've already experienced those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I want to put, especially myself, my wife back through those things again. No. So I think I would, I would have to do it different. I don't think I'd have it in me to go at my age now to go, okay, let's jump on yeah, another 20 year treadmill. No. I don't know. What, what are you, how would you answer that? I'm curious. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm like, <laughs> um, I think you answered it perfectly. I think it's, there's different ways to look at it. I think you, it sounds like you've built an amazing company. So, you know, but doing it now, like you say, <laughs> at, at a milestone age, I think is a, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd have the energy to do it all again. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hate to say that because we were, yeah. you and I were just talking about how yeah. Miles, yeah. milestones and like, I think it's great that we're doing mm -hmm. that. But I'd also like now that I have that perspective, that would be a lot harder. I think yeah. to do right now. Yeah. Um, I do remember just, I remember when my children were young and I was running the company and I remember just thinking like, oh, like, and I always felt like I put everybody first apart from me. You know, so I put my children, people would say, oh, you're working. What about your children? But I put my children first. I, I would work was always like after I'd taken them to singing song times and after I'd done all of that stuff. And I felt the person I was hurting was me. And now as I've got older and my children are thriving, I'm so pleased I did it the way I did it. Yeah. So um, because they um, I'm proud of my company and I don't think I would be sitting here today if I hadn't started when I did. So, um, you know, so just, just kind of, I feel like those challenges along the way, we can now sit back and say they were worth it. And my, my children look at me as a role model. And I love that. I, love I was just going to ask you that, yeah. Sarah, again, we have, yeah. again, we're, we're very similar stages of life. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask if, you, if your children can now have a little bit more appreciation for what their mother was doing. I mean, at the time yeah. they're thinking, oh, I just want mom, mom's yeah. time all the time. I want, they don't yeah. understand what the work is, but no. now as young adults who are thriving, I assume yeah. they look back with a great amount of respect and, and admiration. Of, look at, look at what my mother created, you know, at they, the same they time. Do. So. But I also still feel though, when they were younger, again, I don't know, they didn't know that their mom wasn't there all the time because I'd put them to bed and yep. I was writing my business plan and I'd get them up and off we go swimming. It's like, they kind of, you know, okay, when they started getting to school, that's when, you know, but then I've always worked from home. So they come in from school, I'm here. So I, I really feel like they haven't, they haven't been hurt by it. Um, and actually they're proud of it. So I, I, I am despite, like I said, the person who was hurting was me. I was exhausted for years. Mm -hmm. So now I'm, I'm so pleased that I did it that way. I am. So anyway, just, sorry, giving my no, perspective. I, I love it. hearing that. I'd so we yeah. felt my wife and I felt so the same way too. I mean, right. we felt the same way. And I think it is us. We tend to think that and we're overworking and we're just, yeah. and it's hard because that season of life when they're young and they mm -hmm. require so much attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is very different than it is now. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'm much more active and out and friends. Yeah, I it's, it's friends nice. I know, it's yeah, nice it's being nice. nearly that. That certain age, isn't it, Kenji? <laughs> I, I think I think that's where the excitement came in, realizing, wait yeah. a minute, we're about to get a whole bunch more time back, and yeah. we have a little bit more capacity to the things that we're passionate about. Versus yeah. versus then, you just had to be so mindful of the family, yeah. and we still are, but they're yeah. off, no, they're off in college, right. and you know, yeah. they're more 
checking on things like, Hey, can I get some more money for this? Yeah. <laughs> but tell me about it. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not bath time or getting no, fed or running no. into soccer practice. So yeah. So. Yeah. You're right. It's more, I hundred percent agree with you. I, <laughs> I love what you've shared there. So tell me a little bit more about you. You've talked about now you have a bit more time, but what do you like doing? What do you do outside? What, what do you do when you're not working? And when I'm not working, yeah. um, when I'm not working, the, so the travel is really ramped up quite a bit for me yeah. now. And I like that. I really, I actually do really enjoy it. Um, yeah. So I'm really happy that I'm kind of getting back to it in that things like COVID are behind us. Yeah. My family's at an age to where I feel much more appropriate with me being traveling and they're okay with me traveling as well too. Yeah. So I love the travel. I love traveling even more with my family. That's even mm -hmm. better when we yeah. can all do it together. Um, so I enjoy traveling. Um, I'm a bit of a Atlanta sports nut. I guess sports in general. I love, um, yeah. I've been longtime season ticket holders for like lots of different sporting teams in Atlanta. I love going with friends and family to their Falcons games or our soccer club, Atlanta United. So I like this time of year where um, I, I just enjoy that. It's a good yeah. kind of bonding camaraderie thing that I enjoy doing. Usually when I travel, I, uh, and my, my business partner helps that my business partner, he's like us, he's in the exact same stage of life that we right. are. And we have very similar interests. And so whenever he and I travel together, which is frequently, we're always like, hey, what's, what's an interesting sporting event we can go to this local right. here? And we've done everything from, at the university level that we've looked at, oh, is there interesting high school sports? We're always just kind of like, what's right. a local right. experience yeah. there? Um, during COVID, one of the things that was interesting, I think a lot of us maybe came up with the COVID hobby, right? Or something to kind of occupy our time a little bit. Mine was, um, I started brewing beer. <laughs> and so <laughs> this, um, and I've always, I, I've always enjoyed you know, having a pint and sitting with yeah. folks. I think there's something that's, I read a book. You actually, my son gave me a book years ago when he was in high school. And I think it's a book, it's something like the world in five drinks, right. I think it's called. And what they do is they analyze history based on these different drinks, whether it's wine, tea, coffee, beer, and they kind of go and explain different parts of human civilization around drink. And so I read right. the part about beer. I've always enjoyed having a beer with friends on, yeah. you know, a happy hour. And um, I don't know, I kind of got buried in my head of like, well, I want to try this. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of the oldest mm -hmm. drink. It's even before wine. And so mm -hmm. I started doing this. And my wife was like, what is this weird equipment showing up from Amazon? Like on her front <laughs> porch, like, it looks like it's plumbing supplies. Said, don't worry about it. So I've been doing some beer brewing um, and I still continue doing that. And during COVID I would do, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, Yeah. but I'd go and make beer and I'd leave bottles of beer at my friend's homes or houses. And they're like, and we didn't know if we could interact yet because right. it was COVID. And I said, Hey, oh. I made you a little, I made you a little gift. I miss seeing yeah. you. And, and like, what is, what did that's you leave? So I said, nice. that's beer yeah. that I made. I'm like, yeah. it's probably horrible, yeah. but I made it. And yeah. so it kind of started like that. And now uh, I brew a little more often. I bring kegs, kegs of beer to our, our tailgates to some of these sporting events and yes. things. And it's been kind of a fun, random thing. And then we, you Does it taste it. good, Kenji? Does it taste good? Come on. Some do, some do not. Right. There's some, my, my wife's the best judge. There's certain styles she really likes that are pretty mm -hmm. good. There's some, and some others I'm like, oh, feel free to taste it. And you can laugh about it. Like, you know, like, okay, this was kind of funny. Kenji made it, but I didn't, yeah. I don't want to really drink it. There've been some of those, but most of them, but they come out. Okay. Good. Come out. All right. So it's just yeah. something that kind of uh, was interesting that I wasn't sure if I'd keep doing it after COVID. And I have not as much because I'm traveling more. Yeah. It does require a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, but there's some interesting side pieces to that of 
you can look at it through a historical context. I think mm. there's something very communal about having a drink with someone right. else. It doesn't have to be alcohol, but no. for me, it often is. Um, <laughs> I think there's something wonderful about that communal. I think of all the wonderful experiences and friendships and even things around business that have happened for me around a table or on a bar stool or at a pub somewhere. And so uh, it's been fun to kind of work on that a little bit. And then you mentioned we have a kind of a silly little podcast that that does involve drinking on it. uh, Tell us the name of that podcast. It is. You mentioned it's called Drink While You Think. Love the name. And that came from, I think, some old college university drinking game. I'm sure we played. Yeah, that. Come on, we've all played it. <laughs> we, so I played somehow, it actually not that long ago. So hey, yeah, I love it, Sarah. There we go. Be so sharing that, but yeah, but so, yeah, um, we do have we do have a podcast that we do that, and it was just yeah. a a way. It was really it's really now more of a, it's a YouTube channel podcast to where my business partner and I usually get on once every week or so, mm-hmm. and just. We have a, he and I usually have a beer. We may invite another one of our friends on and we just talk about maybe one topic that happened inside of our business that week. And ours is fairly accounting firm oriented, but a lot of them are general business things that happen, whether we talked a lot about our performance review process that you and yeah. I just did when we were going through that. And we're very transparent. So yeah. we, we talk a lot about. Sounds where, great. Where, I need to check so. it out. Yeah, yeah maybe one or two. You don't have to go too deep with them. They're, you no, know, but that one, I want to, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in hearing about that one because I have some questions about that. So maybe you might so. answer them when I listen to it. So th- thank you so much. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. Um, Kenji, how can people get hold of you? How can they reach you? Yeah, fortunately, having a unique name like mine, uh, it's not too hard to find me. I'm fairly active on social. So uh, Kenji, I always say it's like, it's like the, it's like Benji, but with a K in front of it, Kenji Kuramoto. You can find me on LinkedIn, Kenji Kuramoto, Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. they're fairly active on both those platforms, or certainly you can go to, directly to our website. It's just acuity, A-C-U-I-T-Y.co. Yeah. So yeah, feel free to take a look at any one of those. And if you're feeling really adventuresome or you want to just kind of get a giggle, take a look at our drink while you think you can type mm-hmm. it into YouTube or look it up on Spotify and it will mm-hmm. probably pop up. So that sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kenji. I've, like I say, I have really enjoyed the conversation. I've got to know you better and learn about your story and, and, and learn some things from you too, which is really, really helpful. So thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Sarah. It was great talking to you as well, too. And, and I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope that some other entrepreneurs who listen to this and other guests on this take get some good takeaway value because I think this is a wonderful format. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for having me on. You're very welcome. And thank you to our audience. Thank you for those who are listening, those who are watching. Um, please tell your friends, tell your entrepreneur friends about this. We really want this podcast to grow. We want it to be a hugely valuable Uh, platform for you all so again thank you Kenji Uh, I appreciate it so much this has been another exciting episode of EO Atlanta's taking flight and I look forward to seeing our viewers next time thank you and so that wraps up another episode thank you for joining for show notes and other episodes visit us at takingflight.live for more information about EO Atlanta visit eoatlanta.org Special thanks to the following sponsors.